Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We now find Paul in Corinth where he met with uh, two people that had come from Italy, from Pontus, Aquila and Priscilla. And we here read how Paul took up his old skill as a tent maker again and tried to, trying to support himself. He stayed here for quite a while, Colin. He did. And because of the significance of Corinth as a place, the church would become a very significant church. Now, we know from the, the letters to Corinth, it was a church that encountered all kinds of problems. But if it wasn't for those two letters uh, written to the church in Corinth, we would have a lot of gaps in our present knowledge about the working of the Holy Spirit within the context of the body of Christ. So, you know, in everything, God is working for, for the good of, of, of his people. Uh, and uh, so, uh, although there were going to be problems developing later, uh, Paul did spend some time here establishing the church. But first he spoke in the synagogue, trying to convince both Jews and Greeks, those would be the God-fearing Greeks, of the truth of the gospel. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching, proclaiming to the Jews that Jesus was their Messiah. However, when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook his cloak before them in protest and said, Your blood be on your own hands. I have discharged my responsibility by telling you the truth. Now I will go to the Gentiles. Here is further evidence that we've seen again and again that Paul went first to the covenant people, the Jews, gave them the opportunity to repent of their sins, to turn to God, to have faith in Jesus as their Messiah, and to receive salvation. When it came to the point where they would not listen to him anymore, then he went to the Gentiles. So when he left the synagogue, Paul went next door to the house of a true worshiper, Titius Justus. The synagogue ruler, Crispus, and his whole household believed in the Lord, and many Corinthians became believers and were baptized as a result of his testimony. So his uh, mission amongst the Jews had been very significant, and uh, even the synagogue ruler had become a believer. So one night the Lord gave Paul a vision in which he said, Don't be afraid, keep speaking boldly, and do not be silent. For I am with you to protect you from attack or injury, for I have many loyal people in this city. So Paul remained there for 18 months, teaching God's word. But the Jews made a concerted attack on Paul while Gallio was the proconsul of Achaia. They brought this charge against him in court. This man is persuading people to worship God in ways that are against the law. As Paul was about to speak in his defense, Gallio told the Jews, I would listen to you Jews if you made a justifiable accusation of some serious crime. But as you are only concerned about questions concerning words and names of your own religious law, you can settle the matter among yourselves. I refuse to act as the judge in such matters. So he dismissed them from the court. In anger, the Jewish leaders rounded on Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him there in the courtroom. But Gallio ignored them. So... Uh, there's been this concerted attack from the Jews who had received, re refused to believe in the message that Paul proclaimed. But this did not deter Paul. He stays on. 
then he left the believers there and sailed for Syria, accompanied only by Priscilla and Aquila. However, before he sailed, he had his head shaved at Cancria as a sign that he had made a vow. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. However, before leaving, he went into the synagogue and debated with the Jews there. Although they asked him to prolong his visit, he declined, but promised to return when it was God's will for him to do so. Then he sailed from Ephesus to Caesarea, where he met with the church before traveling on to Antioch. So Paul, you know, he's, he's had a, a very testing time, and it's been a fairly long time, I mean, 18 months in Corinth alone, and it's time to go back to Antioch, which is the apostolic center. Now he's concerned about uh, building up the church in um, Ephesus, which again was a, another important city at that time. And so he leaves this couple, Priscilla and Aquila there, uh, really to, to do that. He, obviously, th these people have become uh, really strong in faith and in their ability to preach and communicate the gospel. So Paul now goes to um, back to Antioch. Uh, and having spent some time there, Paul then traveled throughout Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening and encouraging the disciples in that region. So he spends a little bit of time in uh, Antioch, the apostolic center, then off he goes on his travels again. At the same time, a Jew called Apollos came to Ephesus from Alexandria. He was a scholar with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures who had been taught about the way of the Lord and spoke with great zeal. What he taught about Jesus was accurate, but he had only experienced John's baptism. Priscilla and Aquila heard him speak boldly in the synagogue and invited him to their home, where they gave him further revelation of God's way in Christ. Now, this is a very interesting um, few verses, really, because it does show us what becomes very evident as late as about 85, 90 AD, when um, John is writing his, his gospel, that there was quite a lot of confusion between the teaching of John the Baptist and Jesus, even to the extent that some people were thinking and teaching that John the Baptist was the Messiah. So, uh, you know, again, of course, we're, we're not talking about modern means of communication, but a lot of teaching would have been passed on from by word of mouth, and that gives the opportunity for there to be confusion sometimes. So it, it's, it, it's not all that um, difficult to understand that this guy, Apollos, who is actually to become significant in the church, uh, he, he could only teach what he himself had picked up. And so Priscilla and Aquila, companions of Paul, of course, who knew the truth, uh, they were able to help him. And uh, so we read in verse 27, when Apollos decided to visit Achaia, the believers in Ephesus encouraged him and wrote a letter of commendation to their brethren there. Uh, Apollos proved to be a great help to those in Achaia who had become believers through God's grace. So obviously he was quite a sort of a, a, an upfront evangelistic type of guy, this Apollos. He just needed that bit of correction. 
from Priscilla and Aquila, greater revelation of, of about Jesus, and just you know he, he needed to, his his faith needed to be tweaked in certain areas, and then he becomes really powerful uh, in proclaiming the gospel in Achaia. He argued strongly with the Jews at public meetings, proving from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. That was the method of evangelizing the Jews then as it is today. Uh, with the Gentiles, of course, it was entirely different. Chapter 19 begins with the words, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the inland route to Ephesus. Now, you remember he hadn't stayed long in Ephesus before. He just left Priscilla and Aquila there. And he said, I'll come back when, when I've got the time, when the time is right. So when he comes back, we read in verse 2, there he found a group of disciples to whom he put the question, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? No, they replied, we have not heard anything about the Holy Spirit. So Paul then asked them, then what baptism have you received? John's baptism, they replied. Now here's further evidence of what I've just been talking about with Apollos. Paul explained John's baptism was for repentance, but he made it clear to people that they were to believe in the one who was to come after him, Jesus. On realizing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul laid his hands on them, praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. When he did so, all twelve spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the nucleus of a church had been established, between Paul's first visit and, and his return. But of course, there wasn't this full revelation of the truth. They hadn't been baptized uh, into the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, um, by the way, this being baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not a formula. When you're baptized in water, you're being baptized into Christ. Uh, these people had only known John's baptism for the repentance of sins. They had not received a baptism into Christ. Uh, so Paul uh, makes sure that that happens first, and then he prays for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Those were two distinct things uh, in the teaching of Jesus and in the life of the, whole, uh, of the early church. The Holy Spirit did not come upon people when they were baptized into Christ, but subsequently. And that is very important. Um, it can happen, if you like, on the same occasion, but they're two distinct things. You're baptized into Christ, and then you're baptized by Christ when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul spoke boldly in the synagogue for three months, arguing persuasively about God's kingdom. But some of the Jews obstinately refused to believe and openly insulted the way. Remember, that was um, the name by which Christians were called at first, followers of the way. Jesus is the way. So together with those who had become disciples, Paul left the synagogue and began daily meetings in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, this again is an interesting little point, isn't it? How we see um, the church began out of the Jewish believers in the synagogue, but it came the point where they had to separate from the synagogue, set up, if you like, their own church meetings, their own church identity, and then they could welcome both Jews and Greeks to worship together, both Jews and Gentiles. Mm -hmm. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 